The Right Optics by Silmo. Presented by Jason Kirk. Welcome to another episode of The Right Optics by Silmo. With me, Jason Kirk, founder and managing director of Kirk & Kirk. In this series of podcasts ahead of Silmo 2022 in Paris, you can hear me in conversation with leading personalities from the optics and commercial worlds, bringing you insight, expertise and inspiration for your business. In this episode, we're going behind the scenes of the role of a buyer for a major optical group. What does it really entail? What are they looking for from their suppliers? How do they manage during a cost of living crisis? And why do they always trust their gut? Here to answer those questions and more is Lorna Robinson, Head of Buying at Hakeem Group in the UK. The Hakeem Group is the largest family of independent opticians in the UK and Ireland and is growing rapidly. It's clearly a good place to work too. Named as the Sunday Times' best company to work for in 2018. And its founder, Imran Hakim, was awarded best leader on the Sunday Times' top 100 list that same year. A list which contained some of the leading CEOs in the UK. Lorna joins me now from the north of England. Hello, Lorna. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Um, What makes a company that great to work for? It does something very unique. We're offering a best of both worlds approach really for independent opticians they get to retain their independence but we give them a support structure we give them backing and we they're part of something bigger which with everything going on at the moment is um, a really special formula and you weren't always with the hacking group were you what were you doing before that no so uh, prior to being with hacking group i was with boots opticians Um, i looked after the buying team there for a couple of years and I started out in optics as opticians. Um, I was commercial manager there for uh, three years. Um, so that was kind of when I first joined optics. And prior to that, my background was very much buying and commercial. Um, I was in the wider ASDA business and then uh, took the step over into opticians. Do you see a big difference between buying for a huge group like ASDA or like Boots and then working with small independent stores uh, as like the opticians within the hacking group? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a really different approach um, within a, um, a multiple, um, you know, within that more corporate environment. You absolutely are the decision maker and that then gets pushed down into all of the stores. So you're very heavily involved in right down to skew level decision making and everything is very prescriptive um exactly which which frame goes on which shelf position and what that looks like and how that fits into the standard shop fit etc everything is very very prescriptive and that gets pushed all the way through um and that uniformity and that standardization is really important to that business model um within hakeem group it's completely different because I'm here to support um, our independent practices and our partners, and they are the decision makers. So my role is to make sure that they've got the right tools, the right resources available to them to run their practices they wish to, to delight their patients and to have a fantastic retail offer. Um, so it's a very, a very different dynamic, certainly a very different skill set and um, a really exciting jump for me, certainly coming off, across into the independent space. Um, I found that really interesting. I've I've got a real passion for eyewear, and that you know, getting involved with um, different brands and different suppliers, and yeah, just a whole different part of the industry that I'd never worked in before has been um, it's been a really exciting journey. 
So Lorna, when you're working with so many different individual buyers, who's actually doing the buying? Is it you as the group buyer or is it the individual stores? So the individual practices do their own local buying. Um, they are the decision makers. They choose their SKUs. They choose which brands are appropriate for their practice. Um, so that's all done at a local level. My role is to provide the framework um, that sits around that essentially. So I will ultimately look after um, the supplier relationships, um, having the right suppliers, the right SLAs, the right level of service, that that kind of sits with my role. Um, equally, the terms that we buy on, um, that's something that I would look after and I would then make those available for the partners for them to then opt into if they think that that brand is right for them. Um, so there's an element of it that is centrally managed, um, but the actual decision making on which brands to stock um, which SKUs to stock and, and how to um, manage that locally is all done at a practice level. And what do you look for in a relationship with a brand? It can vary across different categories sometimes. Things that are really important in the frame world, for example, um, might not be as important in the contact lens world. So it can it can vary, but there are some, some elements that are really common to all successful relationships. Um, I think there is an element of just really fantastic communication um, it's it's a real basic, but it's a basic for a reason, um, because it absolutely matters. Um, I really look to ensure that I understand the priorities and objectives of my supply partners and make sure that they have the information to understand what, what we're trying to achieve at Hakeem Group and understand the nuances and the intricacies of um dealing with us. You know, we have a huge number of independent practices that all do their own thing and, and that can be um that can come with a bit of complexity. So it's really important to me that they understand um, what's important to the group and how to tailor things around that. Fundamentally, um, it comes down to trust and that that's built from those great communications and understanding how each other works, understanding the different pressures. You know, there are always going to be hurdles and problems in business relationships. Nothing is ever utopian, nothing's ever perfect. So in order to overcome that, I think it's really important to have an understanding of each other, have an understanding of the objectives of each, of each other's businesses, and then you can come up with solutions to work through those problems and figure out ways to manage the difficulties and ultimately align where you're going and align on solutions. I'm wondering if I'm hearing a little bit of diplomacy in your voice there, Lorna, because you've got a number of uh, very, very good independent stores, all with different histories, all with different attitudes and different personalities. It must be like herding cats. When you you have great ideas, great experiences, there's experience across the whole group. What's it like when somebody says, eh, I don't know, we've always done it like this. Let's just leave it how it is. <laughs> that would never happen. No, um, let's, let, let's be real. Of course that happens. Big but. I, I have lots of experience. I've I've done this for a number of years. Um, but our partners also have loads of experience. And one of the things that I absolutely love about um chatting to partners and chatting to the team members in practice is that it's a two way conversation. I get to learn things as well. Um, which then ultimately benefits the group even more because I can take all these bits of best practice and evolve my thinking and my ideas. And the next time I go into another practice. I've got a different little bit of insight and a different little um, top tip or little nugget to then think, well, hang on, they're in a similar situation. I've encountered this before. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a huge breadth of ideas. And it's one of the things that keeps me on my toes is there isn't just one way of doing things. 
there is some real commonalities. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are people in the group who have heard have um, heard me present and then I've been in their practice and they think, well, I'm sure I've heard that same thing a few times. There are some absolute commonalities because there is some best practice that really does work across a whole manner of different practices. But ultimately, it's about taking all the little best bits that are really and then tailoring them to that practice to get the best out of it. And that comes from, I suppose, insight and knowledge and experience that I have, but then marrying that up with that real local knowledge that only the team in the practice have. That's where we hit the real magic. So Lorna, you mentioned the word nugget, and I wonder if you could share a little tip with our our listeners here. Um, How do you get your members to share? How do you get this sense of community? How do you Rather than you sharing, because I know you do that, but you want to encourage people to share amongst themselves, what tools do the Hacking Group use to, and do you personally use, Lorna Robinson, to help that along? Um, a lot of this is in conversation. Um, you know, we really promote the sense of community. We are a family, and that really does, it is a family business, and that culture really does run through. You know, you asked about um what what's different about Hakeem Group and, and what's it like? It is a family business and you really are, you really feel that when you're inside it. And conversation is a huge part of that. We really encourage our partners to to talk to each other. I certainly, if I'm if I'm talking to a partner who's come up against a bit of a challenge or something and I know of someone else that's experienced that, I will always try and matchmake them for want of a better word and say, well, hey, I was in this practice and they had a really good solution. Can I connect you with them? Um, and that's that's across the group. We always try and connect people to have great quality conversations. And we also have a really um, a really strong social side to the business. That that need to make human connections beyond a specific conversation, beyond a business. I want to ask you this super specific thing about this super specific supplier. Just that ability to connect and chat and just talk together and share is really, really important. And we ensure through the year that we build in um, time for our partners to do that, to come together and to talk to their peers. How did you help people through the pandemic? Um, There was a huge amount done through the pandemic. So I joined um, in October 2020. So I kind of was at the, I mean, it turned out not to be the latter stages of the pandemic, did it? But it, it, it felt a bit more like we were coming out of it in that we were back open and, and we were trading. Um, one thing that even not being a part of the team, I still feel the how much that resonated with the industry. I wasn't even there and I, I am still getting feedback from people around just what an impact it had, all of the webinars and seminars that um Hakeem Group did for the industry during the pandemic. Um people still talk to me about them. I think, gosh, well, I feel a bit of a fraud. I wasn't I wasn't here. I wasn't a part of that. Um but the it, we we're really fortunate in that Imran has a real sense of togetherness, a real sense of, you know, we are an industry and we need to stick together and support each other. And I think that came out during the pandemic more than ever. I noticed that it, it was very clear that, that Imran particularly was very vocal and and was pushing the whole industry. I love to see that it, it wasn't it wasn't a selfish approach. It was a very generous approach um, to the way the optical industry moved forward. Um, we've got another challenge coming up. I think there's a little bit of a cost of living crisis. 
Um, energy prices are going up. It's across the whole of Europe, probably across the whole of the world, um, with the except of, exception of a few people that have got a lot of gas in their back gardens. What are you going to be advising your clients and your members? It is a worrying time on a purely personal level. Everyone personally, I think, is having their own, um, you know, everyone's having to think about this and think about what this means for their their lifestyles. Um, but it is all too easy to get completely drawn into that and feel very, very downhearted. Um, I think there are a few real positivities for um, our industry. Um, and I think that will stand us in in really good stead. And I'm happy to kind of um, elaborate on those a little bit. Um, I think one of the things that I reflect on is we have always been, um, as an industry, particularly in the independent space, we've done a fantastic job of highlighting our clinical credentials to our patients. And I think we do a very good job of helping our patients understand that what they come to us for is more than just a vision check. Um, and I think particularly in the independent space, we're in, we're in really strong stead because our patients have more of an appreciation that it isn't just a case of, oh, well, I can still see everything fine, so I'm just going to put that off for another year um, because we've helped them understand the importance of it's a health check. And it's keeping an eye on factors and making sure that things that you might not be aware of are being monitored. Um, so I think that stands us in a really good position. I also think as an industry, we've always operated in a fairly similar way. And that isn't to say we haven't adapted and that we don't continue to adapt. But as a point of principle for a consumer, people are generally in the rhythm of, I know my eye exam is coming up. Oh, okay. I might have to, you know, I might have to, I might want to get some new spectacles at that point. So it's an awareness in the same way that if your car's coming up for an MOT, you know, you sometimes sort of start to think about that a few months in advance and think, well, I might need new tires and I'll just put a little bit aside for that. And you're almost anticipating that being an expenditure. And because we've always operated in that way, I think we will benefit from that now as, as budgets come under a bit more scrutiny. And I think there will be more scrutiny applied to things that are that have evolved. Um, eating out, for example, and you know, certainly in my own life, I reflect on that and think I really like to go for brunch. I, that's one of my favourite things to do of a weekend. But maybe I might just cut that back a little bit when the gas bill comes in, you know. And it's, I think, things that have become um, an evolution of how we live. I think will be more under scrutiny than things that have always operated in a set way. So is there a danger that you, if you're relying on existing customers being ready and uh, loyal, but ready to come back for the next eye test and perhaps cut the corners a little bit, maybe buy a pair of glasses that's a little bit less expensive and go down one grade on the lenses, that suggests that there's going to be a contracting market. And it's not necessarily going to be a contracting market because there's a, there are a lot of people out there that aren't coming into the stores. So how are we as an industry going to encourage people to come into stores when they wouldn't necessarily have done so previously and spend good money, especially during a cost of living crisis? I think this is about adapting and evolving. So whilst we retain that core of how we operate, um, I think the people that will um, see this through and, and have an easy, not an easier ride, that's, that's not the right terminology, have perhaps a more comfortable ride over the next 18 months are the ones who are willing to adapt and evolve. And I think that comes through, I think incredibly strong supplier relationships are pivotal. 
um in the next in the next few months i really do because ultimately this is around coming together as an industry how do we manage this together um because we can't operate and be successful without each other so i think that sets us in good stead and i think we then look at how do we ensure that patients really have that understanding about this is not a vision check it's it's a health check how do they understand that additional value of services that we offer and how important that is to their health how do we make sure that we have got a retail offering that entices them in um you know this this shouldn't be about oh gosh i have to go i have to go and do this and i it should be this is a, the most exciting weekend of the year i'm perhaps a bit biased but you know this is the most exciting week of the year because i get to go and look at all these wonderful spectacles and and choose something that's going to give me a bit of a new lease of life that to me in a time when frankly everything is quite depressing i think that's really important and we touched um we saw this a little bit in the pandemic um when everything is a bit bleak <laughs> quite frankly i think eyewear has an exceptionally important role to play and we're still in a world where virtual is the normal. The pandemic has absolutely cemented that. And many of us will go through our days and we just interact with people. We're at home and we interact with people on a laptop. And one of the only things that really can stand out is your eyewear. And you're looking at yourself. I've never seen my own face so much as I have in the last two years. My God, I'm sick of it. And you just see yourself, this little box in the corner of the screen and actually having something that helps you feel vibrant and helps you feel, you know, gives you a bit of a spring in your step. I think that's really important. So having a differentiated range, offering something exciting and interesting, offering the retail experience that goes with that. What, what's the environment like? What's, you know, what is that whole patient experience like? What's the waiting area? The, the whole bigger picture of the value of the experience is even more important than it ever has been. And I think we then need to look at how we adapt um, the transactional part of that relationship. Um, you know, we are absolutely in a world where everything is monthly payments. Everything is, is split payments, pay it in three, pay it later, all of that kind of stuff. And actually at a time when people's budgets are under scrutiny that's a really great way of helping people afford what's right for them and and not just the things that they need but the things that they want as well industry voices insight and inspiration the right optics by silmo can you give me a, a good example outside of optics of retail that you love i would probably i would probably go to my local running shop um to be honest, which is um, very specific to me. Um, but the reason I really like it, that they've got a fantastic range and there's always something new. So if I'm, if I'm close by and I pop in, I know there's always going to be something that I didn't see last time I went in and it's seasonal. So I know if I go in summer and I'm, or in spring and I'm starting to think about last year's shorts are a bit worn out, there's always going to be shorts because they keep it seasonal, they keep it relevant. And they're really, really knowledgeable. And that's the thing for me that really stands out is if I ask them about a particular product, they can talk to me about it. Whether it's the brand they talk to me about, uh, whether it's the feature of the specific item, but they know what they sell and they can give me advice. And they themselves are interested. Most, I mean, most people that work in running shops are runners. 
Um, and they ask you really fantastic questions to help guide your purchasing decisions. So it's not just, well, what kind of trainer are you looking for? They talk to me about, oh, have you got any races coming up? Because they know that runners love to talk about stuff like that and that non-runners aren't really that interested. So having an outlet where someone wants to hear about which marathon you're doing and all the complexities and iterations of your training, that's great because we like to have that indulged. Um, so they, they do the lifestyle questioning in a really, a really fantastic way. And then that helps them learn more about me and lead them into a product recommendation. They're not asking me to say, well, I want this kind of trainer or that kind of trainer. They, they let me answer lifestyle questions and guide me. And they reassure me that they know what they're talking about. And because they tell me about the product, I'm really confident that that's a great purchase. And I, I've probably spent more than if I went online, but my value perception is so much better. That's brilliant. And what can optics learn from that? I mean, it's a, just hold a mirror up and turn trainers into glasses. It's, it, it's exactly the same experience. We, in terms of the practice experience, we have to be knowledgeable around what we're retailing. We need to know our products. We need to understand what different lifestyle features would lend itself to different products. Are we are we asking people questions around understanding whether they're suitable for contact lenses and whether that would fit in with their lifestyle? And are we really inspiring people? I think that that's one of the really big things that I find in um, in practice is that inspiration is really important. I, I talk to practice quite a bit about adjacencies when it comes to merchandising um, and really thinking about if you have a patient who comes in who's really loyal, been with you for ages, they always tend to buy this kind of product, what might you inspire them to try? And think about where that sits because you kind of want to catch people's eye and you want them to go, oh, that's that's exciting. I might, I might try that one. And the joy of frames particularly is that it's very visual and it's it's interactive in that sense. It's lenses and contact lenses are harder for patients to interact with because they're not visual in that same way. And and that's a role that frames can play fantastically well is that that art of inspiration and helping people go on an eyewear journey um you know the frame the frames that I wear I didn't I didn't choose that kind of frame the first time I wore glasses I I've gone on a journey whilst being in this industry and that's the same thing that we can do for our patients particularly in the independent space we can have product that really sets sets us apart and makes us a destination but we have to know about it we have to know why it's exciting we have to be able to explain the value um and that's where that's where we inspire people because they kind of sit back and go wow that's really cool but are we are we good at explaining that are we good at explaining to a customer why they're better off spending 300 pounds on a lens as opposed to 150 pounds on a lens do we are we good at that communication do we get that across well do we do we manage to explain why somebody uh, we'll get a different experience in an independent store as opposed to a chain, for example. Um, I think it's like everything. I think we will find examples of it being done brilliantly and we'll find examples of it perhaps not being done as well. Um, and I, I think that's the same it's the same with everything. Um, but I certainly think it's something we should really challenge ourselves on as an industry is how do we how do we get to that place? How do we have that? that willingness to learn and adapt and be be a bit self-critical and kind of it, when you're in something it becomes wallpaper and it's that's one of, it's one of the things I say to practice when I go I say one of the best things I can bring to this practice is fresh eyes 
and it is and I actually when I go somewhere other than researching where to park I don't really do much looking into it because I want I want a really true first impression because that enables me to give much better advice um and it's hard to take yourself out of the position you're in but I think as an industry we should challenge ourselves to do that and really think about do we articulate the value enough um is the retail experience optimized are we giving fantastic advice I think we've I think on the whole, we do a great job of that. But I think there's always room for improvement. And particularly, you know, in difficult times when we're looking at huge inflation and recessionary environments, I think it's even more important than ever to make sure that we're really turning the dial up on every single part of um, what we do. It's true. And there's so much of an opportunity as well when we don't actually know that we're talking to the customer. Yeah, that that online time when the customer is actually researching there's so much information out there now for people to research and they come to a store or don't come to a store um, but they make a a very well informed decision are are we good enough at our online communication are we using the internet well enough is the internet here to stay um i mean it is i think i think we can say confidently in 2022 the internet is here (laughs) to stay it's um i think for us as an industry it's how we use it to complement what we do um we can't put our heads in the sand. We are we are exceptionally fortunate that all of the data and consumer insight suggests that as an industry, we are really a lot more protected, um, I suppose, from the shift to online retailing than a lot of other industries. Um, you know, footwear and apparel is just, it, everyone buys that online. That's, that's how people shop. Um, optical is a bit more protected and we're actually seeing the online retailers are now investing in physical space in order to grow their businesses. So bricks and mortar is really important in optics, but embracing what the internet can do to enhance that is the way to make it work. So whatever that is, whether that's social media presence, whether that is having a fantastic website with all of the all of the relevant information on that somebody might want to know before they come and see you, whether it's just giving people a bit of a flavour of your identity and what you do and who you are and and what they're going to experience all all of that can be a huge enhancement as you said people almost people kind of start to make their decisions before they step through the door um so making sure that we have that holistic experience is really important so Lorna we're gonna we're gonna wrap up with this question because I think this is really really important a fundamental strategy question for retailers when times get really tough and they're going to get challenging there's no two ways about it what do you do? Do you take a big risk? Do you roll the dice or do you play it super safe and pull down the shutters? I think for some people, being conservative for various contextual reasons is going to be the right thing. Um, but I personally think there is something to be said for being bold and having confidence in these times. There is, you know, I touched on it at the start around not getting too pulled down by all the doom and gloom. Um, we offer an incredible service we offer amazing products we change people's lives in our industry and people recognize that and people attribute a value to that and I think we are probably in a safer position than a lot of industries and I think consumers will respond to things that excite and inspire them and that that for me is if if I'm choosing where to spend my money very very carefully then I want to spend it somewhere where I get a meaningful, um, a meaningful value and meaningful products and meaningful service. Um, so I would really advise against being too retrenched 
unless it's specifically appropriate for you. That's a great answer, Lorna. Thank you. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you very much for joining us today on The Right Optics by Silmo. Uh, if people want to find out more about the Hakeem Group, where can they go? Um, so I would say we have some fantastic social channels across all the usual LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, we've got a great website and we we love to chat. So come and see us. Come and see us at trade shows and just pick up the phone and talk to us. We're a friendly bunch. You are indeed. Lorna, thank you. And if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram. Simply search for Kirk and Kirk. You can visit our website, kirkandkirk.com. We're easy to find too. Um, don't forget that during Silmo, we'll bring you an episode every day of The Right Optics, capturing all the colour, voices, trends and talking points of this year's trade fair. For past and future episodes of The Right Optics, follow or subscribe to this series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you very much and thank you again, Lorna. Speak to you soon. Thank you. The Right Optics podcast is brought to you by Silmo, the leading trade show for eyewear and optics. Come and join us from September the 23rd until September the 26th at Parc des Expositions at Paris Villepinte. For more information, go to www.silmoparis.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Silmoparis. Paris.